Do we know what wisdom is? Can we know if we are wise or not? Does wisdom necessarily come with age? Wrestling with the question of wisdom is what the author of the Book of Wisdom does in our first reading today. He's asking, how can we have enough wisdom to know what God is asking us to do in our life? How can we know even what to do in this world? How can we have enough wisdom for that with our broken humanity? How can we know the difference between what's right and wrong, let alone knowing what God in heaven wants us to do? And then he comes to this conclusion. Who has learned your counsel, O God, unless you have given wisdom and sent your Holy Spirit from on high? See, Christian wisdom isn't the same as the understanding of wisdom in the world. It's not just a virtue. A virtue is something that we grow in over time and with practice. But Christian wisdom is a gift from God. It's something that originates in God. And that wisdom is the idea, the, the ability to see something as it is, to have the ability to see something with God's eyes or the proverbial bird's eye view of something. That's Christian wisdom. But our difficulty is that we're always stuck in our subjective worldview. And so we need that gift of wisdom from God from on high so that we can break out of our subjective understanding of things to see things the way that God does, to see people the way that God does. Every once in a while, I stop and think about all the people that are in the world. There are seven, over 7.5 billion people alive on this planet right now. I've been in a field with 2.5 million people and that seemed like an endless amount of people. And if we say as Christians that every person is created in the image and likeness of God, then over 7.5 billion people collectively together reflect that image and likeness of God. No matter what their race or culture or religion is, they all reflect an aspect of God. And so if we come to the conclusion that our understanding and our approach to life and to the world is best, how can we say that that's wisdom? Because that doesn't come from God. Think of the arrogance in that view of the world that we know best. How? How could we really know best? We're not God. Think of it this way. If you've ever had the experience in your life of increasing authority, even if that's just becoming a parent or in the workplace where you're given more and more authority at work, getting promoted. My experience in that in my own life is the more that you are given authority, the more you're given permission to see. And the more that you see, the more it gives you wisdom in how you approach those things. So for me, before I was even in the seminary, compared to when I was a seminarian, compared to when I was a deacon, compared to when I'm a priest, now that I'm a priest that's being given more responsibility, I see things differently all the time because my perspective has grown with that authority. Well, we're not the authority of God. So we can't have that wisdom on our own. And so the idea that wisdom increases with age is true when it comes to a virtue, but when it comes to a gift from God, it doesn't matter how old we are we can receive that gift from him. 
because our temptation is to fall into the wisdom of our generation. What is that? It's kind of what we collectively decide is the best way to live. And that's based on our culture and who we hang out with. And we kind of fall into that wisdom of the age. But as Christians, we're always called to live something more. Because our wisdom doesn't come from the consensus of our present generation, but it comes from God. And that's what we see in Paul's letter to Onesimus today in our second reading. It's the shortest book in the whole Bible. It's less than a chapter long. It's this little letter that Paul writes to Philemon, who is a Christian in Colossae, one of the places that Paul has visited. And Paul is writing him this letter from prison. And what he's writing him is about Onesimus. Onesimus was a slave of Philemon. And Onesimus stole from Philemon and ran away. And so what would have been just, according to that generation, was that when they found Onesimus was to give him the punishment that was due, which at that time, if you stole, it meant you lost your hand. You used your hand to steal, you don't get to have it anymore. Paul is writing to Philemon, and if it's in Scripture, it's because it was a letter that was meant to be read to the whole community. And he's telling Philemon, I want you to not only forgive Onesimus for what he's done, but I want you to accept him back as a brother, not as a slave. And we don't hear the end in the, in the letter, but if we go to the, Paul's letter to the Colossians, we hear Onesimus' name again as one who is a leader among the Christian community in Colossae. And so we see the decision that Philemon made, which was to forgive Onesimus and to welcome him back as a brother in the Christian community, which none of those things were the expectation of that society and of that time, even amongst Christians. It was the wisdom of God of what was best for Onesimus and his salvation. Are we willing, are we able to do that ourselves in our own life? For me, it brought back something that happened in Washington, D.C. back in January. I don't know if you saw it or if you remember. It was right after the March for Life in Washington, D.C., and it was, had to do with a boys' school, Covington Catholic School from Kentucky. They went to Washington for the March for Life. And what came out in the news that night was that this group of boys all wearing Make America Great Again hats were making fun of an Aboriginal man. That they were being racist towards him, chanting by making fun of him, and one boy seemingly laughing in his face as he was drumming. And so all this came out all over the news, and everybody was outraged at the way that these boys treated this man who was a minority, the school even put out a public apology and said that they were going to follow through and punish these boys accordingly. And then two days later, a more full video of what actually took place came out. And then it showed what transpired, which was that there was actually another group present that was being bigoted towards the boys, that they were yelling nasty things to the boys, and the boys started chanting as a way to drown out what those, that other group was saying. And when the Aboriginal man said that the boys blocked his path and wouldn't let him pass, 
When you see the full video, you see the Aboriginal man drumming and coming right up to the young boy's face and coming within a foot of him and drumming and chanting in his face. And so then you see the boy smiling and it's open to interpretation. To me, a teenage boy having a grown man right in his face would make him exceedingly uncomfortable. And we all react differently when we're uncomfortable. And so every news source outlet had to come back and change their wisdom in understanding that situation. We're all tempted to have this narrow understanding of the world. But wisdom that comes as a gift from God is to open us up to see things with God's eyes, to see people and circumstances the way that God does. And the simplest way that we do this as Christians is prayer. Because what are we doing when we pray? We're taking the person that we're dealing with or the circumstance or the struggle in our life and we're saying, God, help me to see this the way you do. Help me to approach this the way you would. And that gives us a little bit of insight into the gospel this difficult gospel to understand where Jesus says that we have to hate our mother and our brother and our sisters and our spouse. What is he saying? I honestly don't know, but one way to understand it could be part of the reason to hate that is to understand that our wisdom does not come as something that's hereditary and passed on. I think every one of us has at least one thing in our life that came from our parents that we've tried to grow out of, be better than, because we know that that's not what is good and right. So when Jesus asks us to hate those people in our life, it's a rejection that what is of God, what is heavenly, being a disciple of Christ, being worthy of heaven, is something that's not just hereditary or passed on in learning. It's a gift that comes straight from God. And so we bring that to prayer so that God can give us that divine perspective on our life so that we don't have to just rely on our subjective view of the world and the brokenness that comes because of our sin in being incapable of understanding people and situations the way that God would. And we ask for that grace of his divine wisdom so that we can see others and see the world the way that he does. That's the divine wisdom that we're called to live as Christians so that we can be like Philemon and we can break free from what would seem to be the wisdom of today and live the wisdom of God that is good for all time and all generations and all people. So think about how and when and the way that you bring things to prayer. Ask God for that ability to approach and understand and see people and things in your life with his wisdom, knowing that the only way we can come to that is by a gift from him, that it's not a virtue that we grow in over time or with practice, but it's a gift from God through the Holy Spirit to see things the way that he does.